All right, we've been talking uh, uh, last uh, number of weeks about change to be changed, and uh, uh, you know we're going to kind of move on from that today. But but just a little review to be changed from before Christ to after the Lord comes into our lives, A.D. And where we are born again by the Spirit of God, we're changed by the Holy Spirit of God. He's, he's given us a brand new life. Something has happened. Something has taken place deep within us. In the very spirit of who we are, we were dead. And God made us alive, it says in the book of Ephesians. And then some of the benefits, uh, you know, uh, eternal life, and, and that not only eternal life, but that we have this inheritance. We have this, this inheritance coming. We have a down payment now of the Holy Spirit, but the rest is coming later. And it said, Peter said, it'll never perish, never spoil, never fade. It's kept in heaven. It's protected for us. God himself gives us this eternal life. He gives us all things. He gives us the kingdom. So we have this delightful inheritance to all those, it says, who love him, who have received the gift of Jesus. So, so I was just thinking about that, and we're moving on to verse, verse 8, but this idea that, well, if we are changed, or maybe we're not changed, but if we are changed, so what? I kind of think about that, when I study, when I, when I try to prepare uh, for giving messages, is, is this, okay, well, we want to look at that. We want to understand what that says, what it means. But so what? How does that affect my life? Should it affect my life? And, and how will it affect my life? I, so, so, okay, you got this great message pre prepared, but the people are going to say, so what? So what do I do? So, so how does that affect me? Should it affect me? And I think... We need to always ask that question. How? How? Why? What? These, these questions we should be asking. So, so this idea of being changed, and again, we either, we either are or we are not. We either have been changed or we have not been changed. We either love him or we don't love him. It's that simple. There, there's no middle ground. There's no both. There's no and or. There's, we're either one or the other. So that's a, that's a decision, and, and I think Justin was referring to it today when he talked about, you know, the biggest thing that he wanted to pray for his daughter, for his youngest there, was that she would make that decision to be a follower of Jesus, be changed from the inside out by Jesus. That's a decision we all have to make. It's all this, a decision that every one of us has to say yes or no. He wants us to be one of his children, but he gives us the right to say yes or to say no. So I hope that you have made the right decision. You have decided yes. Now, moving on from that question is the question, if we are changed, so what? Because if we are truly changed in the way the Bible makes it clear, and it isn't just, you know, I just changed my hairstyle. What are you laughing about? You know, one of the grandkids, she's changing her hairstyle and saying, you know, I'd like to change my hairstyle too. <laughs> you know, comb it a different way. For me, it'd have to be, the, you know, combing it from the back to the front. 
This is, this is not like that, though. This is like a change that's a radical, spiritual, deep change within the very heart of who we are. So if, if that has taken place, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes who we are. It changes how we live. It changes what we live for. It changes how we plan. It changes what we do. This is not, again, some minor little change here. It's a, it's a fundamental change. Meaning, it's, it changes the very essence of who we are. One person said this. He said, we are new persons now, and it's appropriate that we act in character that we Christians be what we are. One of the things Jesus got so upset about with the Pharisees is they professed to be one thing, but they lived differently. They, they, outwardly, they were something else. They were, they were hypocrites. He called them. He wasn't afraid to call them. You were just plain hypocrites. Whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You're professing, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. There's nothing good inside of you. But, but, but when Jesus changes us, it's the other way. It's from the inside, and it works its way out. But it needs to work its way out. And if we truly are changed on the inside, well, it should change the way we are on the outside. Let's look at verse 8. That was my introduction. Titus chapter 3, verse 8 says, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. He says, okay, there's been this big change take place. But now he says, he says to Titus, he says, I... There's something trustworthy, and I want you to stress it. I want you to keep talking about this. I want you to bring it up over and over. And we'll get to, to what that is in a minute. But I, I want to point out something to you there in the first part of that, verse 8. He said, this is a trustworthy saying. In other words, this is something that can be relied on. Now, I believe we can rely on every word of the, of the Scriptures. But he's making a special emphasis here. And it's interesting, he, he, Paul uses this phrase five times. You have them, you see them there on the screen. I want to I just look through those five things. And then there's another thing that we're going to see that he stresses again, just in the book of Titus, six times. When something is repeated over and over in the Bible, guess what that means? It's important. Right. So I want you to turn with me, and again... Uh, why do I have you turn with me to the different passages? Anybody remember? This guy's trouble. You're just like him. That means you were listening. You just give me a hard time, and I don't like it. The reason is so you can learn how to find it, right? You can learn. Now, I've made this so easy for you. You just go back two books. We're in Titus, and all you got to do is go back two books to 1 Timothy because this saying by Paul, that it's a trustworthy saying, he did it five times, but he only wrote these words in the pastoral, what we call the pastoral epistles, 
which are what? Anybody? Which are the pastoral epistles? Anybody know? We've only been studying them for like six years. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. Okay? Those are what we call the pastoral epistles because Paul is teaching young pastors, pastors like Timothy and Titus, what to do. Okay, so he uses this phrase five times in the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And we're going to just, we're going to race through these because I, I think they're important. He thought they were important. First one found chapter 1, 1 Timothy, verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. What is it? What's so important? The first one he uses is the first one he says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The first thing he said, this is really, really important. We're going to get to the, the fifth one about today. But the first thing he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst or chief. That's pretty important, isn't it? Why did Jesus come into the world? He came into the world to save sinners like you. And like me. How about chapter 3? The second one found in chapter 3, 1 Timothy. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. That's an important thing. Leadership is important. And if somebody has this calling upon their life and they set their hearts and, and, and something is in their hearts to be an overseer or an elder, it says he desires a noble task. It's a good thing. It's important. It's trustworthy. It's a trustworthy saying. How about chapter 4? Go to the next page. Chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. This is a trustworthy saying. What? That deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive. That we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. We have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. That's important. That's radically important. And for this, he says, we labor and strive. Why? Because we put our hope in the living God who is the Savior. How about jump ahead to 2 Timothy chapter 2 for number 4, verses 11 through 13. It's kind of a... A poem, they think it might have been a, a, a hymn that they would sing together. Here is a trustworthy saying. He says, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself trustworthy saying. And now we move ahead to Titus chapter 3. The fifth and final time he uses this phrase, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things to you. Again, I want to stress them. I want to make a big deal out of this. The word literally means to affirm constantly or to insist on, some of the translations say. 
It, it requires repetition, and we've talked about this, the ministry of repetition. Why do you keep saying the same things over and over again? Because obviously we have a lot to learn, right? We haven't gotten it yet. What are the pastoral epistles again? Okay, I'm going to ask you next week too. That's how we learn. He says, I want you to continually stress these things. Make a big deal about it. The only other time this word was used in, is in 1 Timothy, again, where he was talking about false teachers. He says they want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. They were stressing things, but they had no clue what they were talking about. That's not a good thing either. But Paul says here, that, that, that he knew what he was talking about. He knew what the truth was. He knew that these things needed to be stressed. That's why sometimes we need to get a little bit worked up. We need to, we need to you know, talk about things with some kind of some urgency sometimes. Why? Because they're important. If, 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 you know, if I just got up here and just said everything in the same tone of voice over and over and told you how important these things were, and if you could just follow these things and they would be change your life, and, and you can get very excited about as excited as I am, and then you know, we would all be having such a good time together, and, and then we'd go to heaven, and, and then what? And then I'd look up and you'd all be asleep. I, I told you about the guy in my history class in junior high school where, where, and I wasn't, I admit I was not a good student. I'm a student now, but I was not a good student then. And, and uh, he, he talked like that. And, and it was just monotone. It was just said that, you know, and I looked around the room, literally 90% uh, of the people, of the students had their heads down on their desk like this. And he didn't do anything. And he certainly didn't change. So why do you think I talk like I do now? Because I look around, I see you sleeping. I want to I, I shake you and wake you up a little bit. Because this is important stuff. The older I get, the more I realize that, hey, we gotta, we got to think about this stuff. Please. I haven't got to the place where I'm running down these aisles yet, but it may come. You don't know. If I see you sleeping, I'm going to come up and tap you on the shoulder. If your phone rings, I'm going to come over and answer it. Why? Because he says these things are trustworthy. They are important. You can take them to the bank, and, and I, want to, I want you to stress these things, Paul told Titus. What is it? Look at he says there. He says, I want you to stress these things so that, so what? So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So that those who have been changed, those who have followed, made a decision to follow Jesus, those who have believed in him, those who have had this born-again experience within their hearts and lives, they will be careful to devote themselves to doing what's good. It would come out in their lives. I think, I don't know if you notice this, but I, this is a, a common thing that Titus, in the book of Titus, where you, 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 your life needs to add up to what you profess. 
If your life doesn't add up, there's something wrong. He talks about it over and over and over again. And, and, and Paul's saying here now, stress these things. If you've trusted in God, he says to be careful, to devote yourselves, teach them. To be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Now, are we saved by work, by good works, by doing what's good? No, we're not. See, that's where it gets mixed up in every other religion on the planet, I will, I, I pretty confidently say, is based on some form of works. That if you do, you might get in. Right? It's a system of, of, of you know, well, if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you might get to go to heaven. Right? That's kind of what, you know, I'm pretty confident most other, almost all, if not all other religions are based on some form of works. But Christianity, true Christianity, is based upon not by what I do, it's by what Jesus did, that he died for you, for me. He paid the price. I'm only getting in because he paid the price of admission for me. Because I couldn't pay it. I owed a debt that I could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. That sounds like a hymn. I, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. So we're not saved by doing good. We're not saved by, you know, well, I, I did all these things. But if we are saved, if we are changed, then it needs to come out. And he says, listen, be careful to devote yourself to doing what's good. Literally means this. Careful to care for doing what's good. Be careful to care for. In other words, to, to think, be thinking about this, he's saying, teach the people to, to, to think about it. Of course, Titus needs to think about it himself as well, to think about it and care about it, give attention to it. If I am truly born again, if I am a follower of Jesus, I need to be thinking about what my life is like. Being careful to care for doing what is good. One person said this, deliberate thoughtfulness. Concentrated thought to the matter and to be intent on it. What am I doing? What is my life like? You ever stop and think about that? I think sometimes we are just so busy that we don't have time to think about anything. And we have so much media, we have so much uh, distraction of every different kind, we don't have time to stop and think about what kind of life am I living? Am I living a good life? Or does it even matter? Well, yes, it does matter, I want to say to you today. I've been saying it. Am I doing anything good? And I had to stop and ask these questions of myself. Just because I'm a pastor... Just because I teach the Bible, that doesn't guarantee anything. That's what I said, the Pharisees, they taught the Bible all day long. I had to ask, ask these questions of myself. What am I doing that's good? Is there anything good that I'm doing? Is there anything good that I can do for someone else? Some kind of action that I could take to actually do something that's not self-centered. That's the, that's the big problem is, we, we, we become so self-focused. Can we actually do something for somebody else? 
think about it. We need to think about it. One, one fellow said this, opportunities for good deeds present themselves every day, but we see them only if we look for them. Only if we're thinking about, is there something that I can do for somebody? Is there, a, is there something good that I could do today? Something around me. Maybe I could help someone who's in need. Do you think that's true, that there are opportunities all around us every day? If we would only look for them, he said. If we would only look for them. Wow. Paul, what do you, why do you want T Titus to stress this? Because it's important. Look what he says at the end there. He said, these things are excellent. And they are profitable. For everyone, not only for those that we might do something for, but it's good for us. It's good for me to do something good for you. Did you know that? It's good for me to do something for somebody else, to do something good for this planet, to do, do something good for this world. It's good for me. It blesses me. I think one of the biggest reasons, as I just mentioned, it kind of takes my eyes off myself when I can think about something else around me, and then my problems don't seem quite so bad. Do something good. Someone else said this, show hospitality. Give some kind of examples. Show hospitality. Care for the sick and the afflicted. Be generous towards those who are in need. Share with others. He says, this would save those who do those things from the misery of selfishness and the tragedy of a wasted, unfruitful life. Let me read that phrase again. This would save them from the misery of selfishness and the tragedy of a wasted, unfruitful life. Wow. He says, stop and think about it. Be careful to care about it. Something we need to care about. Something we need to think about. Doing what is good. Six times. Six times in the let just in the letter of Titus. Now you don't have to turn very far here because it's only three chapters. Okay? Can I hear those pages rustling? Well, what's up with that? It's all on one page, he says. That's okay. You can rustle that one page. You know, again, six times in the same letter, he says this. To, he talks about doing what is good. Doing what is good. Six times. Look at chapter 1, verse 16. Let's just race through these as well. Chapter 1, verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That kind of fits in what he says in chapter 3 as well, isn't it? 
They claim to know God, but they're not doing anything. They're unfit. Why? Because their, their actions are denying the fact. So truthfully, they really do not know God. They haven't truly surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. How about chapter 2, verse 7? Speaking to the young man, he says, In everything, he says to Titus about the young men, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech. Set them an example by doing what is good. Not only does it, it help me, but it helps others. If I do what's good, it is an example to others. Well, this is an example of what doing good is. If I never do anything good, how would anybody know what good is if, if there's never anything good happening coming out of my life? Be careful to care for it, to care about it, to think about it. How about verse 14? Speaking about Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You know, that's, that's pretty much the heart of it, isn't it? Why would we do anything good? Because of the good that he did for us. We only do anything good because of what he did for me. I, why else would I do anything good for anybody else? Except that, look at the example, look what he did for me change me, to be eager to do what's good. Chapter 3, verse 1, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever is good. We need to be eager to do what's good, but also to be ready. Sometimes we're just plain not, we're not ready. Why? Because we're too busy or we're too distracted or we're too self-centered or, or we have all kinds of reasons. We're not, I'm not ready to do anything for anybody else. I'm not ready to do anything good. Well, that's why he's saying we've got to stop and think about it. Verse 8, the verse we're on, he says careful to devote themselves to doing what's good. Be devoted to doing something good, to doing what is good. And then the last one in, in uh, verse 14, chapter 3, our people must what? Learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Part of, part of it, of course, in this, in this verse here, talks about what's good is working hard is doing good too. But it's something that we have to learn. It's something that we are taught, that we learn. That's why we talk about it. That's why we need to be reminded. Careful to care for doing what is good. Careful to care for doing what it is. So, so, so let's just get back to the question that we need to ask ourselves, and I think we need to do it frequently. Not just once, it's frequently. We constantly affirm, we stress, we talk about it. We ask ourselves the questions, what am I doing that's good? What 
What am I doing that's good, that's deliberate, that's intentional? Have I, have I thought about it or, I, you know, I don't even think about it? You know, if you don't have a target, what, you know, what do they say? You're sure to hit it, right? If you never think about, well, what can I do that's good in this life, in this world, in my church, in my, my family, in my home, in my school, in my place of work? Can I do something that's good? David Guzik, who uh, wrote the commentary that I talked about a, a number of weeks back at EnduringWord.com, and uh, we saw him a few weeks ago up in Boston, and, and he, he repeated what he had said to us back in October at our huddle. He said this, every Christian should have some intentional, deliberate, and purposeful ministry. Let me say it one more time. Every Christian should have some intentional, deliberate, and purposeful ministry where there's something that you decide, I'm going to do something that's good. Deliberately, intentionally. He talks, he talks about it. He says, you know, there's some accidental ministry things that happen, accidental places that we serve, you know, just like this opportunity just kind of is there in front of you all of a sudden. And that's cool. But he said, is there something in... That, that each one of us needs to, be, to have some area where we say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something. To be careful to care for doing good, doing what's good. Is there something in your life that you can say, this is something I've decided to devote some time to, to do something that's good? And maybe there isn't. Maybe you can say, well, what is it that I could do? Well, Mike, maybe it isn't getting up and speaking in front of the people. And I saw you disappeared when I called you both up. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not playing the piano. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's something else. There, there, you know, the, you know, from A to Z, things that we could actually find something that we can do. If we're looking. If we're asking the questions. I need to ask that about myself. You know, what I do, this is more or less what I do. It, it, it's good, and I think doing a good job at what we work at, that's good, that's important, that's right. That's also good. But for me, this is more or less my calling, right? This is kind of like, uh, I hate to use the word job because I don't consider it a job, but it is my job, so I have to be here. You don't have to be here today, right? So, so I have to ask, well, what is it? what can I do that's good for somebody else? I have to ask the question, too. What can I do? I think each of us needs to have some kind of intentional, deliberate, purposeful place that we serve. There, there are areas in our church where we don't have enough people doing different things. If you want to know what some of them are, come and talk to me. Come and, come and talk to some of the leaders afterwards and, and say, listen, I'm, I'm willing to do something. And they might say this and say, well, I can't do that, but do you have anything, anything else? Well, maybe there's something else I could do. Something purposeful, intentional, deliberate. Careful to care for, to devote ourselves to doing what's good. I want to close with this verse here out of Ephesians chapter 2, which we talked about a few weeks back. Change, so what? 
Look what it says there. For we are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works. This is what we're created for. Maybe we're feeling unfulfilled in our lives. It's because we're not doing any of the things that, that God has set out. Because look what it says. It says God prepared in advance for us to do. We actually, he actually prepared in advance. He's got something prepared for you and for me that he, that he set up long before we were even born. That's why he said to some of the prophets, you know, before you were even born, I had a calling upon your life. God's, something, God's got something for you to do. I'm convinced of it just because of what this verse here says. God's created you to do, to do good works. He's prepared them in advance for you and for I to do. If we're willing to find out what they are. He says these things are excellent. And they're profitable for everyone. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. It's a challenging word. It's a... Maybe uh, the word that, that uh, wants to uh, stir us up to, to give of ourselves in some way, in some shape, in some form that, that would make a change in this world, that would make a change in our church, that would make a change in our lives. To care, care about caring for doing good things. It seems so simple. But I know I, I wasn't sitting thinking about it before I was challenged to think about it. And do something good for somebody else. To escape that misery of selfishness. That our lives would be profitable and fruitful. Lord, I, I know it. Some of us don't have a clue what, what, what that might be, but I think if we're willing to be willing, that you will show us. You'll show each one. Lord, I pray as well as we started this uh, study in Titus chapter 3, verse 8, that we're either changed or we're not changed. We're either born again or we're not born again. We're a child of God or we're not a child of God. I pray for any here today that are not born again, that don't have eternal life, that today you'd open your heart and life. Pray, God, you'd show them that you love them so, so much. If that's you today, you can simply pray along with me and say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. I'm lost. I have no hope, no purpose, no reason to live. So I, I ask you to come and, and, and make a difference. Change me. Change me today. Save me. Rescue me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?